We about to step Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape. I am your host, Cheats. As always, BBM is brought to you by the Family Podcast Network. As I've mentioned the last couple of episodes, I'm so excited to share with all of you, thanks to you and your support of the podcast, we are now charting in the top 100 of baseball podcasts under the April umbrella we're in, we're out, we're in, we're out. So with, with even more support, we'll stay in the top 100, which is an amazing, amazing feat for somebody that's not affiliated. We're not affiliated with the big networks. We're not affiliated with any of the big uh, media companies that usually host podcasts. Not yet. You know, we can be one day, hopefully. But because of you and your direct involvement with this project, we are charting in the top 100. So I ask that you please continue to support that, share it with your friends. Today's podcast is one that I've been I've been trying to cultivate for a minute. I'm so excited about it because if you talk about black baseball, you talk about minority baseball, youth development, building the game, future generations. You can't not talk about what's happening with the minority baseball prospect. I am so excited to welcome the founder and CEO, Alex Weish. Coach Weish, welcome to the mixtape. Hey, man, what's going on? How you doing today? I'm excited to have you, brother. And I am in awe of what you're doing, what you've built, and what you continue to build because it's so vital and so needed. One of the, the first question I'm going to ask you, is because for people that don't know the history, they don't know the resume, Coach, you built a damn near historic program in, what, less than a decade in Atlanta, Georgia. And you have... Sure. I'm talking minority players. I'm talking championships. It is an amazing, amazing history. And if anybody's looking at you on YouTube, they can tell you're a young man. You're, you're, not, sure. you're not a man that could... That, that, you know, that you still have a lot of meat on the bones in coaching. Tell us why you decided to take up this project. Tell us about the origins of the minority baseball prospects and, and how you got from being, you know, a coach that was building a very, very strong resume to where you are right now. Yeah, man. Uh, one thing I want to say, man, I've just been blessed through my journey. Uh, you know, Redan High School was, was a blessing of mine. Uh, you know, to be honest, man, Rita had been a powerhouse, man, for the last 40 years, starting with uh, the godfather of black baseball in Atlanta, man, a guy named Greg Goodwin. Uh, he started the MVP program to help, you know, promote the, uh, the breakthrough series and things like that, man. So, you know, shout out to Greg Goodwin, man, who really, you know, catapulted that, that Rita program. When you talk about uh, Dominic Brown. Uh, Philly's all-star, you talk about the, the, the most legendary guy from uh, one of my, my close friends, man, Brandon Phillips. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, since since the late, you know, 80s, man, they, they've been one of the top, well, been the, the top black baseball school in the country. Um, and I've been there, man. I was there for six years. Uh, every kid signed, uh, you know, over six draft picks, man. I had my my first guy from Redan to be in the big leagues, hopefully this year, a guy named Todd Bradley, uh, minor league pitcher of the year two years ago. Tampa Bay, um, Tampa Bay so Rays man, organization, yep. 
Hey man, Tampa Bay Rays, man, came in and, and scooped, uh, you know, Todd Bradley, man, the youngest kid in the draft, man, four years ago, man. So uh, I just was blessed, man, to, to have opportunity to be at Reed Ann High School. And, you know, being in Atlanta, Atlanta really was, you know, when COVID hit was the mecca of black baseball um, and just having guys and, and things going on. So, you know, when, when COVID hit, you know, I was I got a chance to really sit down, right, and think about, hey, how can I really impact the game and not just help out one school, right? So, you know, when you talk about East Coast Pro, you talk about Eric Coe, everything had to come to Atlanta. And I was like, hey, it wasn't nothing going on but perfect game and me, Fem, and guys, right, trying to create this platform. And who is better to create a platform like this and a guy who's been on the ground level, That's right? True. I'm not a guy who's been in the office. Uh, I'm not a guy who, who played uh, big league ball. You know, my whole career has been coaching high school kids in Title IX schools. And when we talk about Title IX schools, those are kids who, uh, you know, mostly on reduced um, lunch, man, and, and, and poverty uh, neighborhood. So, and I'm producing, you know, future big leaguers, draft picks, the most drafted players um, out of any high school. Um, if I can do that, it's nothing for me to create a platform um, you know, to support everybody in the world um, and give them that same type of support system. So when COVID hit, you know, we had some top draft picks with Tamar and Drew. And I said, bump it, man. Let's, let's start promoting these guys on social media, which me being a teacher for 13 years, understanding how the kids, you know, brain works is social media, right? Absolutely. So once I start posting kids, and when nothing, when nothing for people to see, man, but, you know, baseball, that perfect game post and what minority baseball post, um, I knew that I really had something. And, you know, our first All-American game, it was just on a whim, man. Um, shout out. I know you had Mike Sanders. Mm -hmm. Um, had Mike Sanders on the podcast earlier, man. He came in and, and supported my vision, man. And uh, my, my first year, we did it in Mobile, Alabama, man. And I just knew it was going to be a, a hit when I walked into my my first meeting with, you know, some of these top players. And the first people I see was CC Sabathia and Andrew Jones Jr. And I'm like, hey. It's the heart of COVID, man. And I got all these top players and their parents here, man. I know I got it, man. So since then, man, what we did with Minority Baseball Prospects is use everything that, you know, I really learned through this journey of, uh, you know, being one of the top uh, baseball coaches in the country, just seeing what minorities need, man, and, and put together events around the country. There's one thing to kind of start the process, right? There's one thing to start the process, yep. but I want to go back to that vision. And because I can only imagine there is nothing like ground grinding every year to put a successful historic team on the field with all the legacy that you mentioned, all the history. So that is all consuming. COVID hits. Sure. And then when did the vision start for you to say, I need to do something bigger. Me, I'm the guy that needs to do something bigger. You know, just, just being a be, being a guy who believe uh, on, on the best in the world to do whatever I wanted to do, right? I wasn't wasn't really scared to do anything, um, and just seeing these big corporations come in and not use our kids, but. Um, try to spotlight minorities in the game. You can, who, who be you can say it. Look, 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 look. I, I am I'm a fan and friend of uh, corporations as well. But you can For say sure. that there's some level of exploitation, right? When you when you have the culture, sure. when you have the culture, they're yep. they're investing so they can put the culture in their product or vice versa, right? 
agree. I agree. So why would I let a corporation come in and do that uh, when I know I got to when, – when you're a high school coach, man, you're not getting paid much. And the only thing you really have, um, you know, is the love for the kids, mm. right? And I know nobody really loves kids more than I do. Um, so, you know, with my mind frame, I just, you know, just felt like, hey, who is, who's a better person to do it? Um, than me, man. And then, you know, that, that COVID year, man, I had like, I had 12 kids, uh, signed that year. That was my, my best, my, one of my best teams. And I got cut, slammed oh, cut off, short. man, doing COVID. Man. Oh man. Yeah. We, we like one, man. So I was sick. So I was just sitting at home and just thinking and, and, pl- and pondering of, Hey, how can I really change the world? It's cool to be the best high school coach and touch 12, but how can I really change the world of baseball? around the country and then use this game of baseball to really change the way the the landscape of, uh, you know, our culture, man, the baseball um, was a pillar in in the black culture, man, with the Negro leagues. And, you know, when, when, when events came into different cities, um, you know, it it was like, it was like the the fair, man, everybody that was in the black culture knew they, they was going to eat, you know, from hotels to eateries, um, to the whole city, man. So, you know, with minority baseball process, we want to piggyback off that, man. So everywhere we go, we want to change the culture. And as we continue to grow in funding and things like that, man, me being a teacher, man, I know that the that the you know the the change start with education also, man. So we got a whole mind frame of changing the world of what we really want to do to not just change the world of baseball, but change our economy and our black culture. And how do you go about doing that? And what I mean by that, Coach, is if somebody that wasn't familiar with minority baseball and what you're doing, and they asked you, Coach, what's the goal? What's the goal right now? As you go around the country, you're highlighting some of the best black players, uh, especially at the at the amateur levels and the youth levels in the country. If somebody was to say, Coach Weiss, I see what you're doing, man, but what's the goal? What do you, what do you say to that? Man, when, when when people ask me uh, what's the goal, is I, it's two spectrums of what I really want to do. Uh, you know, the higher level is 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 changing like the Negro leagues, man. When we go to cities and, and different um, states, man, be that staple for these communities, um, so they can have that economic, you know, powers uh, when we come into that city, and then on the lower end, create some type of educational system where we can use baseball and other. Uh, you know, sports activities to really change the mindset of our black, um, our black kids, man, and use minority baseball prospects as a pipeline where one, we got the bottom level where we can impact uh, the great kids. And then we using, you know, the, the system that we use, we already got the top players and then moving into the HBCUs, use the HBCUs as our powers, you know, to change the pro side. Right. Mm-hmm. So we got a whole, we got a whole system of what we really want to do to, uh, really change the system. Not we don't want to fit into the system. We want to change the whole the entire system. Coach, you know the game and you know the culture. When people ask you, because I know you get asked a million times, what is the biggest challenges? What are the biggest barriers for our people playing the game? Uh, for me, just being on the ground level, it, it just one is for me. It's the fundamentals. Right. We always talk about the fun of the game and things like that. But, you know, you know, black and minorities in, in the U.S., you know, don't tend to, to play baseball 
um, you know, past middle school because why it get it, it gets really hard, right? So it is different with a basketball and a football. You know, athleticism can really, you know, take over and we can find success. But once we lose that fundamental progress at a certain age and, you know, the, the bases get longer, people throwing harder and different things in that manner, uh, you know, it's a it's a really difficult game, man. So, you know, that that's the biggest thing that I see with the growth in the game is that we're not learning at a high level at the bottom, right? The park's not there anymore, mm-hmm. right? We don't have 50 teams at the park. You know, we got one and two teams. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we talk about travel ball. Did travel ball help or did it hurt? I think in some ways it helped, in some ways it hurt. Right, just just on a separation of skill level, right? Um, you know, did, did daddy ball help when we was in, in, in when we was playing in the, in the, um, you know, in little league? Mm-hmm. I think it hurt. You know, my dad was a coach. Uh, one of my coaches did he know baseball? Not for real, right? Was he a good person and loved kids? Correct. But did I learn those fundamental, um, you know, traits that I needed to be successful at a higher level early? No. You know, I learned those once I got into you know, higher level travel ball into college, mm-hmm. right? And I could have gave up. Like most of my friends end up playing other sports, but those fundamentals were really important, man. So, you know, again, when you talk about those goals, man, and going around, man, that's one of the biggest things that we really want to do is harp on those fundamentals and touch those kids as early as possible. Absolutely. No doubt. When did it become real for you? from vision to execution to a whole nother level. And I'm talking about the level that you're at now, where you look around yeah. and you're all over the country looking at some of the best minority black players in the country. If you post great players on social media, they're there. They benefit from it. It's a, it's a whole kind of cycle now. So when did it kind of, when did the flip switch for you, not just from confidence in yourself, not just from vision, but to like, yo, we we got it. We got something going on right now. Yep. Really, man, like I say, once I, I did that first All-American game and I seen all those great players come down to Mobile, I felt it was a duty that it's just like, you know, when you talk about killing perfect game, can't kill perfect game because if, if it kills, it, it destroys the whole industry. And that's how I feel at this point where we're at now. Um, you know, you stop minority baseball prospects, you know, the kids lose hope. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're the hope for the kid. Um, you know, it, it's different uh, when you when you get DMs every day. And, you know, when you go into like we're in Houston right now for, uh, you know, the uh, cat, the uh, Astros Foundation, Cactus Jack um, tournament, man. And when we gonna when we walk in and we do visions for these kids and do highlights for these kids, Everybody wants to be in our HBCU game. Everybody wants to um, be highlighted by us, right? So, again, man, after that first year, man, it, it wasn't no turning back. It was like, how can we continue to grow and kind of build every year, man, because this is my life. You know, my staff, you know, I, I brought in my president, Reginald Hollins, you know, used to be the head coach of Tuskegee. This is their life. These are these guys' life dreams of creating opportunities for um, minorities in the game of baseball, man. So it, it was just like, you know, our life work came to this right here, man. So, um, you know, we felt like the, you know, kids around the world is dependent on us. So we just got to continue to grow, man. Coach, where does the vision grow? Talk to me five, 10, 15 years down the road. Where do you, where do you see 
minority baseball prospects. And I know there's a softball side as well. Yeah, man, it, it, it's growing so fast, man. And you know, you got to understand, we <laughs> really did it without any any outside funding. Hmm. You know, um, most of this funding came from me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just giving all my everything that I had to make sure that we're you know, continually to grow and make sure everybody else in our team ate, man. So when you talk about our vision, you know, it's, it's hard because every year is growing so rapidly and so so fast. Um, like you say, this year we're adding softball. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a whole different lane that really haven't been touched. Um, but, you know, our, our ultimate goal is is to really control the market. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in a couple months, you will see a website where, you'll get a chance to type in any minority kid in the country and on minority baseball prospects, minority softball prospects, you'll be able to see those coach, those kids uh, profiles and they'll be able to upload videos, um, you know, to that, to that website. So it is going to be easier because we know that HBCUs don't have that budget to go see every kid. So we want to be that middle person, right. To make sure these guys are successful and they can compete with power fives. That's the only way. Um, but, you know, when you talk about five years, 10 years, um, you know, the biggest thing is, is owning our own fields um, and empower black cities like Atlanta, Chicago, um, Alabama, uh, Louisiana, different New Orleans. We're going to make sure we own our own fields because we understand that land is power. Um, nobody can tell us that we can't have an event on this field if we own it. Absolutely. Right? So once Absolutely. we – once we create that ownership of these fields, um, it's going to move into academies. Um, and again, we don't want just academies that just talks about baseball, right? We want mm -hmm. actual academies, a, a, a spinoff of something like IMG, man, for minorities, mm -hmm. um, where we can really cultivate the educational piece, right? I think we get off the educational piece. You got to be kind of got to be smart to play this game of baseball, man, and to continue to grow, man. Um, so we want to make sure we touch it early. And you got to be really smart to do what you're doing. And what I mean by that is you're talking about baseball and you're talking about, you know, the systems and operations that you're putting in. You're talking about the fundamentals. But what you're doing also leans heavily into the world of entrepreneurship. It leans heavily into the world of the startup company, right? That's got to go out and, and do the things that a startup does and an entrepreneur does and all the things that we read about. Have you always had that kind of mentality of startup mentality and entrepreneurship mentality? Man, I, I just always been a dog, right? I always been <laughs> five, nine, man. You, you know, when you're not a tall guy, you got to get hey, well, it. Five, five, so we good. Right. You know what I mean? And I played every sport, right? right. I was a bitch. Right. So you know, and I, I, I got an older brother and, and all my, you know, my best friend in the NFL. So we always, all my friends were the best people on their respective teams in my city, man. So everybody was competitive, competitive at, you know, at a young age, man. So, you know, that just, you know, piles on to my business sense of, again, I don't feel like nobody is bigger than me, right? That's nobody awesome. is That's awesome. like I am. Um, and I want to do it my way. I feel like my way is going to work because, you know, God put me on a put me on this planet, man, to be a teacher uh, for 13 years, man. I, I got a lot of um, stuff in my head that I see that every day that I know that needs to be changed that we don't really see as ordinary people. When you talk about black communities in baseball, 
you mentioned the fundamentals as, as kind of the biggest challenges and biggest barriers. But when we talk about perception, there's that perception and that narrative that I know you probably can directly rebuff in the sense that people will say, oh, black people aren't checking for baseball. I know you've sure. gone all over the country and seen young black people playing baseball. So sure. what is what is the biggest challenge we have to face that 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 narrative, right? I mean, obviously, basketball and football have culture in a way because they also have media in a way that baseball doesn't have. And I always give media sure. one of the things that's really important for the black baseball mixtape is to represent black baseball in a space where, like you said, all the kids today are on podcasts or on their uh, on their phones and they're looking at highlights. And I always feel like baseball media needs to do a better job at highlighting black culture and our players and our abilities and our swag and our influence on the game. But how do you, when people say, oh, coach, you've been a baseball man, people, you know, baseball ain't checking for us. Well, what's your rebuttal to that as a narrative? Man, like you say, when we go around everywhere to see kids love the game of baseball. When you think about baseball, most of the time, every kid, black, white, or purple, their first sport is what? Baseball, mm. right? They fall in love with t-ball at, at the youngest ages of, of, you know, four or five. Um, you know, we just got to keep that baseball in, in their hands. Like you said, um, my biggest thing, if you see on our social media and how we grow so fast, my biggest thing is social media. Mm. Right. It's just, again, for me having kids and me being a teacher, social media is the biggest thing out right now that kids watch. Right. So our goal is to keep it in their face. You, A, a kid, not a non-baseball kid can't really tell you a black baseball player in the major league. Mm. Right. But they can tell you a, a girl or a, a guy that don't play basketball can tell you that LeBron James play in the NBA. Yeah. Right or Patrick Mahomes or something like that. How can we change that without, um, you know, getting it more visible, visual, right? Um, in, in commercials, like, you know, you know, Tim Anderson is, 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 is a killer, man. One of the best players, man, the last five, 10 years. Right. And I can't find a commercial with him, right? He did a Derek um, Wayne so, commercial last year, but. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But, but, but he doesn't have, when I was growing up, I had Griffey and Nike. I had Bo Jackson. I had Dion. You know what I mean? That idea of putting that investment in baseball, I don't think we've actually had that in a media investment in baseball to the likes where I'm used to since since Jeter. Jeter was the last one. Yep. That and yep. we do have we have Tim Anderson and we have Mookie uh Betts and we have quite a few um Byron Bucks and we have players at the top. Yep that are doing yeah. amazing work. But then we have players like the one you mentioned earlier, Taj Bradley, who, I mean, from my, my mouth to God's ears, but surefire major leaguer, I think, this season. Just has to be. He's, yeah, he, sure. he, he can't do anymore. I agree. <laughs> so I agree. Um, when you see – what excites you when you see the Tajers of the world? You see, you know, players like Jordan Walker – or Mason Wayne, or you see the young guns that are knocking on the door to really be in the major leagues. What excites you about that? You know, the great thing about it, a lot of these guys that, you know, I got a chance to see them. I'm old enough now, man, that I've seen them, you know, at a younger age and, and got a chance to see them grow, 
You know, the minor league process is rigorous. The draft process is rigorous. You know, getting drafted out of high school or going to college and get drafted, all of that is a, a tough process, man. But to see those guys, you know, be successful, the Michael Harris's of the world. Yep. You know, to see these, see these guys be successful, man, it, it's so so promising, man, uh, for me. And it's a, it's a lot that's coming behind them. Mm-hmm. It's just that we really just got to continue to grow it. And they got to know the, the Todd Bradley story. Mm-hmm. Right, that Todd Bradley didn't want to pitch. He hated me for pitching. Right, he'll tell you to this day. He thought he was a two-way guy. Right. I said, Todd, you, 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 a big kid, um, not a good runner, not power. You can, you got a good back-to-ball skills, but you got a plus arm and a plus body that's gonna grow, and you're gonna be the young kid in the draft. You better pitch, or you're not gonna play. Mm-hmm. Right, and what I've learned, um, Clarence John, you know, talks about this all the time, man. Is 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 that you know you put the right people around these guys and that they're gonna breed success, mm-hmm. right? And that's what I feel about minority baseball prospects. Um, and reading high school, reading high school, what isn't special? It's just that you had great coaches and people around that supported these guys' dream and put them in the right place at the right time. And that's what we're trying to do with minority baseball prospects: go around the world and get these guys. Just say it's a Kurt Dozier, um, in Detroit. Right, great dude. I want to. What we do now is go to him, give him all the resources, all the knowledge, and all the all the media to make sure he's successful. Because again, when we leave, that's what I try to get people to understand. You know, minority baseball prospects is big, but when we leave, they're gonna tell her back to Kurt because Kurt with them every day. Right. So how can we give him power to make sure he's successful when we leave? Right. And if we do that around the country and give these guys everything they need, it's going to grow the game of baseball. Teach a man to fish, right? For sure. Coach, let me switch gears and ask you a little bit about some 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 fun things that I always like to ask guests about, a little bit more insight into to your background and your career. You mentioned that that you were a player. Tell me about your your baseball career. How how'd it go for you? Man, it went well. Uh, like I say, coming um, high school, man, with a, with a four-star athlete. Uh, you know, I played football, man, had 10 pits my senior year, played basketball, ran track, um, broke my school batting, av- batting average record with uh, 5-21, um, and didn't really have any place to really play, you know, going That's out of crazy. high school, man. Yeah, end up, you know, making – I'm from Macon, Georgia. Macon is a, mm-hmm. is a basketball town. And, um, you know, my Boys and Girls Club uh, leader, man, Mr. Hatcher, he took me to a walk-on tryout actually with um, Albany State, man. I got a full ride to Albany State. Oh, that's great. Um, which was, you know, my first CU life, right? And end up, you know, being freshman of the year, all conference at Albany and said, hey, man, I, I, I finally started to learn the game of baseball um and and what to do and, and things in that manner not just being athletic so i went to you know juco to try to get drafted um and end up you know going to a, a division two armstrong state after that where um well was all conference again all american and end up you know my senior year leading the nation in stolen bases um uh, with 48 and 48 games um didn't really get a chance after that and end up you know jumping right into coaching and, uh, you know, three years into my coaching as an assistant with baseball and everything else, man, I, I was the first black head coach at a school called uh, Griffin High School where Tim Beckham, 
uh, was the number one pick overall in 2008. Mm. And, um, you know, I had my first year as a head coach, first black head coach at Griffin High School. Um, I had the number 10 pick overall, man, for um, the Phillies, man, Canadians Randolph. Mm. Um, so, man, I, I was blessed on my journey. Uh, God wanted me to coach, man. He didn't want me to play pro ball. He wanted <laughs> me to really get into the coaching realm. Had to be, man. I was I was too successful um, every stop that I went in my, my playing venture um, not to get drafted. But it really just pushed me to say, hey, it was a plus running kid. I was a plus runner. Um, had a good bat, uh, you know, batted, you know, 375. I always had above five home runs and had a plus arm, and I didn't get a chance because I didn't understand the space, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know you can get drafted out of high school. I was a football, basketball guy. Mm-hmm. So if it could happen to me, I know it could happen to anybody. So that, again, is another reason why it really pushed me for minority baseball prospects to go around the country and, you know, find these hidden gems. If you look at our games, you know, you're going to have the Tamar and Drews, but you're going to have a lot of middle guys that we found that are diamonds in the rough that just needed that, pl- that platform, you know, to flourish, man, like a Chandler Pollard mm-hmm. um, who, who got drafted last year, man, who who, who rose out of, out of nowhere, man. Like a Todd Bradley, you know what I mean, who rose out of nowhere. Um, you know, that that's our goal, man, it, just to touch everybody. Who were your players growing up? Who are the players that you like to watch emulate your game after? Uh, my my favorite player, man. I didn't pull a I didn't pull a ball, man. I might have pulled one ball in in college, man, and had seven eight home runs. I was a, a middle. I'm they gonna tell you how how my mind was thinking. I was got got middle away, man. Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter was my my favorite guy, man. Oh, captain, man. He he just played the game the right way. Um. And him and him and him and uh uh Tony Gwynn, man, just reading his hitting books, man. And uh you know, I was a, I was obsessed, man, with being great, if that makes sense, man. Um, so I always loved guys who was obsessed with, with being great, man. Um it, it takes a lot to be to be great, especially in baseball. Um it takes a lot of time, man. So I always valued those guys who uh who took that time to to, to be great, man. If you could face any pitcher, living or dead, who do you face and why? Oh, man, I got to face somebody I can hit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> give me a, give me somebody in the minor leagues. I'm, I ain't trying come to on, you know Come mean? on, coach. Now, if you if, if, if it were one, one arm, uh, it would have to be somebody like a like a Satchel Page, man. I want to see was he really like that. I want to face him in his older years. Mm-hmm. I want to face him when he was a young deer man throwing a hundred, man. But you know, I, I I would love to you know to to clash that new school to old school, man. Just to just to see it, man. I know those those guys what they what they went through to play the game is just so crazy, man. I just know those guys would you know be successful now just because of their will. You know, back in those days, so I love to face those type of guys. And I was a speed guy, man. I went. I would love to. I would love to race cool Papa Bell if I had opportunity. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think I know the answer to this one, but I might. It might surprise me if you had a choice between being. I'm going to give you three choices: an on-field okay. manager of a major yep. league baseball team, okay. the general manager of a major league baseball team or commissioner of baseball, which one do you choose? Uh, it got to be the commissioner, man. 
I gotta see, be that guy. I thought that see now because of what you're doing now, I'm thinking you're leaning commissioner, but you yeah. I mean coach and GM, those are different yeah. missions. It, it is, man. I want to be able to control it all, man. I want <laughs> I guess when I face them, I wanted to be able to disperse down, man. So but the commissioner I, I, doesn't really control what's on the field, right? I agree. He's I agree. the commissioner has to he's a client to the owners, right? So you got to do the owners, you got to do the sponsors, you got to do the the TV deals, or you know. Yeah. But if you're, you know, it's different. It's a different task. Yeah, I want to. I, I want to have the control, man. Right. Uh, you know, even with the GM, you still got to look over your shoulder a little bit, man. Commissioner <laughs> kind of, you know, he just kind of answers to the owners, and and you know, he has a good say so on how things are running or how things are ran, man. So. That's, that's my awesome. That's that's my speed. Coach, if you could change one thing about the game, what would you change? Uh I think the game gotta be shorter a little bit. Um and just a little bit more excitement. Uh you know, it's nothing like it's nothing like going to a game. Right. right? You know, the game right. I think the game experience is great. But how do we translate that experience to tv i think that's the biggest thing i want to see how can we change it if the time um is it the excitement i know they're getting away from the shifts you know when when i was growing up man that was a steroid era right right everybody was was leaning on barry buns and you know mcguire and sammy yeah. sosa how chicks, did we get chicks back to long those ball. Days? yeah man how did we get back to those days um, of excitement and everybody loving the game. And, again, I just think it, you know, the big thing is recognition of the players. You know, nobody can – unless you're a baseball guru, nobody can tell you more than two players on the team, man. So um, how do we promote these players at the highest level? The one thing I've learned – I'm talking to a lot of young players, like a lot of players that are uh, either, you know, first, second level in the minor leagues, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the high school players as well, college players – the one thing I'm learning, and this kind of was my age group as well, but MLB the show does more for them to know who the players are. Sure. They they know who the players are based off of who's on their on their video game teams, uh, and I maybe agree. a couple of them. It, it's not even a young man's hobby anymore, but a couple of them may have a couple baseball cards. But the I will tell you this: the announcement uh, earlier, I want to say last week, about the Negro League players being in. Um, you know, certain Negro League players being in the video game, MLB The Show, is going to introduce a whole lot of young people to, like you mentioned, Cool Papa Bell or Satchel Page or folks that they didn't even know played in the Negro Leagues. The, is, so it's I do think, like you were saying about social media, things like, you know, things like what's happening on, on Instagram and TikTok and what's happening on, on, on things like MLB The Show and I think the delivery methods in media have to be a little bit stronger that appeal to our culture. I think, I think basketball and football have figured some of that out and it's, I think it's almost at the behest of the, the actual organizations. And what I mean by that is every, like corporations are always later than what's happening on the ground. You know that you've been on the ground, you've been doing things. People will find you years after you're doing what you're doing. I think sure. people, I think people cut up those highlights, right? They start doing those commentaries. They made they made it awesome, 
And then you go around and look at the Super Bowl and now you start to see like corporations or the NBA All-Star game. They'll they'll pick up on it, but they'll pick up on it after you've already been on the ground laying the groundwork. Yeah, no, for sure, man. I, I think we have something coming along that, you know, that's going to really impact uh, the youth. Uh, me having kids, understanding that kids love cartoons. Yep. Uh, our animation, our mascot, Swaggy, who is really dope. Um, we're going to really use that to, you know, tap into the kids, man, and get them to really learn their history, man. You think about Swaggy, you know, decked out guy that looked like Tim Anderson. Um, you know, it's already appealing to the young kids, but, you know, think about a cartoon where, you know, you know, Swaggy, Swaggy's chain, when he mm. puts on his chain, he turns into a cool Papa Bell or Satchel Page and kind of get a chance to tell that story, right? You know, we understand that kids love cartoons and love to be entertained, man, and, and Swaggy might be able to make a song, you know what I mean? But, you know, we, we, we got a lot of things in the works. Um, to touch these kids and touch the masses, um, you know, just like our HBCU game. We we don't just do the game just to do it, mm. right? We trying to get butts in the seats, right? Mm. Bring back black fans. Like y'all seen you said on the post, yep. how do we bring back black fans? You know, we had 5,000, you know, fans at our HBCU game last year at the Brave Stadium. You know, That's this amazing. year we shoot for 10, you know, 12. We want to do that at every event, but, you know, you got you got a mind plate sometimes with black people to get them to love the game again. So we did yep. no vendors. We had vendors. You know, this year we're gonna have the homecoming field. So we're gonna have a scroll off. We're gonna have all this stuff on the outside to bring them inside to get a chance to see the home run derby. You know, fastest HBCU player in the country. You're gonna get a chance to see that. Then you're gonna get a chance to see a great game and a party atmosphere. So, you know. We're trying to change the game, man, back to when the Negro leads, man. It was a party when you went to those games, man. That's the same thing we're trying to do everywhere we go. Coach, I love it. I love it. I love it. I wish you the absolute most success as you continue on. I know that you'd mentioned, and I can see it, the growth is leaps and bounds every day, every week, every month, every year, and it is amazing to see what you're doing so I wish you the very, very best of luck. Tell everybody where they can follow you and and make sure that they're following the the prospect. Yeah, man. You know, every, every minority, every every person in the world should be following minority baseball. We would have missed out right now. You know, on social media is at MVP Takeover, um, TikTok, Instagram, you know, Twitter. Our website is minoritybaseball.com. About three months, every there be able to create their own profile um and upload your own videos man you own you know the biggest platform in the world you be on recruiting tool man so make sure you follow us support us man and you know if you're a stud man you 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 send us some video we'll post it even if you're not a stud because people need to be found <laughs> people need to be yeah, found yeah 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 for sure last thing coach who's who, who you I see you guys out man I see you guys outside y'all are doing the thing y'all are pounding the pavement who's the since you've been doing this, who's the most surprising? I won't say coolest, but who's the most surprising person that you've run into that you've met and they looked at you and said, I see what you're doing, coach. Keep going. Man, probably one of the best pitchers I've ever seen. Um, CC Sabathia. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, was bigger, he was bigger than life. You know what I mean? When you was young, you see a big black pitcher. He had the swag, man. You know what yep. I mean? 
playing for one of my favorite teams, you know, the, the Yankees. Um, man, he, he was so cool. And then, you know, now we're friends and, you know, we meet all the time and he's just good people. Um, and that's one thing you learn about minority baseball prospects. Anybody you see us around and we really hang with, man, they're good people. So, you know, we love good people. Coach, I'm going to leave it there. I wish you the best of luck. Man, make sure you follow what Coach is doing, Coach Weiss is doing, what they're doing with minority baseball prospects, and now what they're going to what they're doing with minority softball prospects as well. It is an amazing operation. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape. We see it. Bust it.